Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. My favorite thing about technology is when it fails, and... uh, and actually, it's not, but it, it's, it's real. It's the only thing, like, like there's things that are, like, certain in life, death, taxes, and, and technology to fail from time to time. That is how life works. Uh, my name's Adam. I'm the West Shore Campus Pastor, and uh, really, really thankful to have everybody here. Uh, Emily, really great job this morning. Really great job. Um, if you're new here, welcome. Glad to have you. You know, at Coastline Church, we're, we're one church with many locations. And so uh, we have people meeting downtown this morning at 9-11 at our main campus. We have a 2 p.m. service, 6 p.m. service. And so um, to come here on a Sunday, you're part of a, a larger picture, which is which is always exciting. And as you did say, we are a portable church. Uh, I'm convinced that the West Shore has the best people in the world uh, that live in the West Shore. Uh, we had a team of people at 7.30 in the morning here uh, setting up to make sure that we were ready to have you this morning. And uh, just really, really thankful to be to be a part of here, part of what God is doing here. Glad that you're here. Again, if you're new, come say hi. I'd love to meet you after the service. Um, I didn't grow up going to church, and so I know how Like sometimes when you go to church, it's like, oh, my word. Uh, what, what, what do I expect? What do I do here? And uh, um, it can be a little nerve-wracking. Um, we're not that weird. We're a little weird, but uh, not that weird. And, and so, but we're all a little bit weird if we're honest. Let, let's be real. And uh, and so, um, love to love to say hi and love to meet you. It'd be awesome. Um, in the world of introductions, I do want to introduce you to a, one more person. Um, Gabe, we saw Gabe. Uh, Lillian, are you there? Lillian, we kind of talked about this, but not totally. Can you join me up on the stage? <laughs> <laughs> oh my word, please don't fight me, Lillian. I apologize. Um, we're in trouble. Um, a couple weeks ago, we held our first international lunch here. And uh, for a church to have 300 people on a Sunday and over 30 countries represented uh, for our in- international lunch, that says something. Like there's something special, something unique, something something exciting that God is doing in the West Shore. Because we're not we're not some big urban center. We're Langford. And, and to, to, to have a, a, a church as diverse as we are, um, there's something really beautiful about that. And, and part of what we feel as a church, um, our responsibility, like as a pastor, I want to pastor the church that we have, right? And and we want to create ministries for the people that are here. And uh, part of that is um, beginning an ESL ministry and uh, English as a second language. And and Lillian, (laughs) she's so going to kill me. Lillian um, is going to help us make that dream come true, which is really exciting. And, and so I'm putting you on the spot. Did you want to share a little bit with us? <laughs> you made me so afraid. Um, thank you. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> Not in front of the church, though. <laughs> so the church service is going to go on all day. <laughs> um, I was just talking to Shandi um, a few weeks ago. And, and for some reason, talk, 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 we ended up talking about English as a second language and accessibility in the church, whereby there's so many people who have come in, so many people that I've met here who do not speak English. 
who don't even quite fully understand what's happening up here. And us being a practical church means reaching everyone at the place of their need. So we're just thinking, I'm like, mm, I can do administrative stuff. I'm pretty sure I can't teach English because I need to learn more English. But I can do the administrative stuff, find out what do we need to get this started. So we talk a little bit with Bev, another fire woman. And she's gotten some material. There's a few churches that do this around the country, actually. And this is a call out to anyone who feels they need this service. Uh, if you need, if you feel that you're new to Canada, you're new to Victoria. What we found out in part of our research, Langford West Shore does not even have an ESL, even paid service. They would need to travel to Victoria to do that. And commuting over there once a week, it's not enough. So we talked to Pastor Adam. The house is open, the service house, what's it called? Yeah. Ministry house. The ministry house is available. We're going to try and work with native English speakers who are here who can give of your time. Uh, we intend to start in September the actual class, but between now and September, conversational. Just getting used to having conversations in English. So people who are available, please, please sign up with Bev. We're going to be signing up after church. And those who need the service, also sign up so that we can figure out the logistics. Thank you, Lillian. Ladies and gentlemen, Lillian, so wonderful. <laughs> uh, so, so if you are, if this would be helpful to you, um, come talk to Lillian after the service. If you feel like you could uh, volunteer in this area and, and help teach it, um, help be there and help run it with us, um, come talk to Lillian after the service. We'll go find her after the service. That is the way forward. Um, and also, just for accountability's sake, make sure she doesn't hurt me. It would be great. And... Uh, just kidding. She's not going to hurt me. We're friends. Um, but we're jumping into a, a new series. And so we started it last week. It's called God Is. And uh, this week, we're going to be doing the same thing. We're walking through it together. The whole idea behind this particular series is to look at different aspects of God and make sure that we all get on the same page. Uh, there's a lot of nuances at any point in life. Maybe, maybe at some point you heard about this idea of God being righteous, or, or certainly you see people being self-righteous, and you're trying to figure out how to make sense of it all. But uh, we, wanna, we want to unpack this topic together. And so if you're a note taker, uh, your notes, my sermon's going to be called, God is my righteousness. And before we get started, I, I just so desperately want to experience a move of God here in the West Shore. I, I, I am very encouraged by what I'm seeing, looking at what's taking place at Asbury College. Uh, this idea that a, a significant move of God can take place in, in a very non-beautiful, like not like, it's not like it was high, high, they didn't bring in the world's best worship bands, world's best preacher. wasn't backed by tons of money or anything. Everything you would kind of, kind of think that the world tries to do to make something cool happen. It wasn't that. It was a, it was a typical Bible college church service. And uh, when I was in Bible school, I went to those church services, and they were pretty dry oftentimes. <laughs> uh, to see God move there is so inspiring to me. Because if God can move there, maybe, just maybe, God will move, God will move here. When I think about who we are as a church movement, um, 
Coastline Church was planted a hundred years ago this year. And, and we were planted um, out of a season of revival. Now that's where, where we got our roots from, is how we, how we started. And so this idea that on our centennial year, we started to see this little, this little move of God in, in, um, popping up um, in, in North America, that, that's exciting to me. It's very exciting to me. Uh, a particular scripture that's been on my heart, especially as I was preparing for this this morning, is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 and 24. And I want to read it, read it for you, and then we're going to unpack it together. And it says these words. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your formal way of life, or former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And as I was going through these words, and I was thinking about these, these, these moves of God that we see pop up all throughout history, the word, the word righteous stuck out to me. What does it mean to be truly righteous? Why does that even matter? Like, what's the point? How do you do it? Why was it important? To, to understand righteousness, you need to know what righteous means. If you're a surfer and you're in the 90s, like that wave is totally righteous, bro. It's so righteous. It's gnarly, radical, and righteous. Ah, righteous, righteous. It's, it speaks to this idea of it's the best possible quality. He liked it. For human perspective, from a human perspective, to be righteous, it's the, it's the quality of being morally true and justifiable. And if that were the only reason to be righteous, we're humble people. Nobody really wants to be seen as righteous then. Because <laughs> there's almost this idea of like, oh, yeah, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be seen as self-righteous. I don't want that. But from a spiritual perspective, it offers us a, 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 an important framework for understanding this word. From a spiritual perspective, to be righteous is it's the quality of being right in the eyes of God. This idea of being in, in, in right standing with Jesus. And I believe God wants everybody to be in right standing with him. <laughs> God's desires for everybody to be truly righteous. But what, what on earth does that actually mean? Because I can assure you of this. If you figure that out, what it means to be righteous, what it means to have God as your righteousness, your Christian faith starts to come alive. Things shift, things change. If I was going to explain righteousness to somebody, it, it, it's most helpful when we start from the ground floor. To understand what it means to be truly righteous, we need to, we need to understand where we come from, right? It's important that we understand that at our core, we are not a mere cosmic accident. Like, like, like you are not a product of just human evolution, you're, you're, you're intentionally created by God. Now, if you're, if you're part of the church, you know this. We raise our hand. We're like, how do we know that? 
But when we stop and actually think about it, God's looking at the world. He's scratching his head, looking at this, this hodgepodge of humanity that he's just created. He starts thinking to himself, you, you, you know what this world needs? It needs a netto. Because sometimes at one point, one day, we're going to need someone to play the keyboard at, at Coastline West Shore. <laughs> you know what this world needs? It needs a Mario. Yeah, like God's saying, you know, I, I need to create a Mario because this world needs to see a Mario and what he can do. And I'm not talking about Super Mario. I'm talking about this guy right in the back. You know what this world needs? And then he just, he just goes through and, 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 he, and he intentionally made you. Because the world needs you. Like, like you are not an accident. You're not just some fluke. But by God, when he was creating everybody, he thought to himself, I need to make this person right here, right now, for such a time as this. Creator God both, both loves us and wants to be a part of our lives. It's extraordinary. Psalm, Psalm 139, verse 13 to 16, it, it paints a profound picture in regard to, to where we come from. If we're going to understand righteousness, we need to understand this. And we need to have it not just up here, but we need to have it deep inside of our core, in our heart. And this is what the psalmist writes. He writes, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together, together in my mother's womb. It speaks to this idea that God was intentionally weaving you together when you were formed. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. That's not just speaking about women. They're very complex. <laughs> But it was everybody. Everybody's complex. <laughs> Women even more so. All the guys say amen. Oh, gosh. Been married for 19 years. I'll tell you, whoa. I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> Shandy's gone, so I can speak freely. <laughs> so, that didn't just happen. Let's move forward. Your worksmanship is marvelous, he writes. How well I know it is. It speaks to this idea that God doesn't make a mistake. And we look at ourselves, and sometimes we look at ourselves, we try to make sense of it. And we're like, God, you could have done a little bit more here. But his workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Just that thought alone speaks to God's ability to see you when you're in the dark space. And so often in life, it feels like God's a million miles from anywhere when we're in the dark space. But here it says, God sees you. You saw me when I was there. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. He saw this day in February, February 2023. He saw this moment in his, in, his, in his book. He knew that you would be here today. He knew what you would have had or didn't have for breakfast. Like God actually knows all these pieces about us. He saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. This 
verse speaks to the idea that God has a preferred and designed plan for each and every one of us. He wasn't writing your book saying, you know what, Charlie, he's going to be a screw-up. Noted. <laughs> let's throw him a curveball and let's make him an absolute jerk. <laughs> That's not how God designed us. That's not how God functions. When, when, when he was designing us and creating us and, and writing our individual stories, he was, he was a part of that process. He, he, he has a plan for us. God, is, God has known you since before your birth. And he's been drawing you to him ever since. God's entire plan for your life is this plan of reconciliation. To, to, to bring us back to how he initially created us. To, to, to make us whole, to realign us to in terms of who we are created and meant to be. For the non-Christian in this room, what God does is he offers a, a brand new start and, and a new way of life. I grew up with a PlayStation 2. Actually, a PlayStation. Actually, before that, Sega Genesis. Actually, before that, Sega. I grew up in, I grew up in that generation. That's me. But one of the most amazing things on all those consoles was a reset button. When the console wasn't working properly, you could press reset, and it would refresh and restart. That's what Jesus offers us. That's how he functions. That's what he does. So let this, let this into your heart. Part of why God made you is because he loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. We talked about this, this next verse briefly last week. We walked through uh, John 3.16. And we talked about how, how God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that who, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It speaks to this idea that God created us, loves us, longs to be connected with us. We can turn our lives over to God because he created us, loves us, and wants what's best for us. Okay, so that, that if we're going to understand righteousness, we need to approach it from that framework. Because the second way gets us into trouble. You see, when it comes to righteousness, we also need to understand that, that sin impacts our lives. Our, our, our sin actually separates us from God. And what it does is it negatively impacts our relationships with both him, with others, with ourself. Sin is very holistic in that, in that way. Ephesians 4.22, it said, it said so, so throw off your sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. What is this talking about? What is sin? Because how you answer this question will help you find Jesus. Is sin a behavior? To you, is, is sin an, an attitude? Or is sin maybe a thought? See, the word, the word sin in the New Testament is related to an archery term, which means missing the mark. In other words, if we are sinning, it means that we're missing the mark. 
we're sinning, we're missing the mark. This is a very helpful definition if you think about it. Because if you miss the mark, or if you miss the target, and you're, you're shooting your arrow, and if you miss by just a little bit, it's a sin. If you miss by a lot, it's a sin. If you miss completely, it, it, it's a sin. A, a sin is a sin. You, you, you miss the mark. The problem with that definition, though, is the target isn't defined. And so this causes some confusion, especially in the church, where we're trying to figure out what even is a sin anyways. Because if people don't know what the target is, sin is very confusing. Because what's funny about sin is that people have an idea of what it is. But they don't really know. We just know, we just don't want to do it. I, I, growing up, not inside the church, I, I, I heard about sin. I had no idea what it was. I assumed it was just bad stuff. But what does that mean? How do you quantify it? How do you qualify it? How do you know what it actually even is? You see, the disciples were confused at times when it comes to sin. The fairies were Pharisees. The fairies, that'd be exciting. <laughs> It's a very mystical book, the Bible. There's fairies and gargoyles and... Just joking. Pharisees. The Pharisees were confused a lot of the time when it comes to sin. The early church got confused with sin. The modern church gets confused. You see, for some, the target when it comes to sin... For some, the target is fulfillment... And anything that stops you from being fulfilled, sin. For some, the target is... Colt, this is an arrow. Oh, wait, this way. This is an arrow. For some, the target is social justice. And anything that doesn't help the marginalized is a sin. For some, the target is morality. And anything that causes us to become impure is a sin. For some, we have no idea what sin is. We just try not to do it. And we have no idea if we're doing it or not. We're just blindly shooting, thinking to ourselves, Dear Jesus, I don't want to do sin. Just forgive me of all my sin. And we don't even know what we're asking forgiveness for. The truth is, the target is much deeper than any of those ideas. The target is holiness. The target is, is wholeness. The Bible teaches that we are to be holy because God is holy. Holy, uh, perfect, um, whole. God doesn't want you to be a fractured version of who he created you to be. He doesn't want you to walk around feeling broken all the time. And let's be honest, we live in an era where it is very easy to feel broken. And we live in an era where it's actually celebrated to say, I'm feeling broken. <laughs> and we're walking around fractured and broken and hurting and jaded and angry and mad and frustrated and untrusting. And because everybody else is, we feel like this is good Christian living. But there's more. That's not, that's not what Jesus died for. 
God doesn't want you to be a fractured version of who you were created to be. He wants you to be the full version. He wants you to be the whole version. He wants you to be the righteous version. The version that's full of light. The version that's full of life. The version that's full of love. The version that's full of Christ. You see, sin, what it does is it distorts how we see God. It distorts how we see ourselves. It distorts how we see others. This is why God wants nothing to do with sin. It's not actually about you just watching an R-rated movie. It's bigger than behavior. It's deeper than that. I like, I like this definition of sin. Sin is anything that prevents us or others from being the whole person that God created them to be. Now, you might be thinking to yourself this morning, didn't come to church wanting to hear that. You know, pastor, no one is perfect. Now, I'm doing my best. I'm trying to be a good person. Doesn't that get me to God? And the answer, unfortunately, is no, it doesn't. Trust me, this, this was my journey. <laughs> it's, a, it's a common misconception that uh, when... It's a common misconception that ladders exist. And a very common misconception to believe that at the top of some proverbial ladder, oh Jesus, don't fail me now. It's a common misconception to believe that if I can just move up another rung, then I'll get closer to God. And it's this, it's this, this lie that we tell ourselves. And the problem with moving up a, another rung because of good works or whatever is, is it kind of works. You see, good works, they, they, they make you feel better. <laughs> but they don't actually fuel your soul. They give you a, a higher vantage point at times, and we tell ourselves, ha, 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 tisk, 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 tisk. I am closer to God because I'm higher than you. But this isn't a picture of Christianity. This isn't a picture of how it's supposed to work. You don't find God by, by doing good things and moving higher up a ladder. There is no ladder that gets all the way to heaven. It doesn't work like that. There's no ladder high enough. See, I, I absolutely, with everything inside of me, assumed that if I could just be a little bit better, if I could be a better version of myself, a, a version that has less sin, whatever that is, if I can, be, if I can sin less and climb higher, then I'll, then I'll find God. And friends, that is an absolutely terrible idea because it's going to leave you jaded that that model do you know what that model does it burns people out it, it causes christians to live this kind of fake lifestyle because on the ladder we feel important but the truth is this ladder doesn't get you anywhere and so then you step off that ladder and you feel so deceived and this is why we see so many people walking away from the church because this 
this latter, this version of Christianity that they were sold is, is untrue. If that's you, I'm sorry. I truly am sorry. That's, that's, that's not how Christianity is supposed to work. And today, I, I believe God can do something about that. You don't have to throw away the ladder. Or, yeah, throw away the ladder. But you don't have to throw away your Christian faith. These good works are so sneaky. Because on the one hand, they're, they're, they're obviously good. They're good works. We're doing good things. But on the other hand, they're so, they're so misleading. They, 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 they satisfy our conscience, but they don't satisfy our soul. Perhaps it's better explained like this. Uh, when it comes to Christianity, you're, you're, you're not an apple tree because you produce fruit. You produce fruit because you're an apple tree. You're not a Christian because you do good works. You do good works because you're a Christian. You're not a Christian because you are righteous. You are righteous because you are a Christian. Do you understand? You can't climb a ladder. There's no ladder that exists. You cannot climb a ladder to become a Christian. You can't climb a ladder to become a better Christian. You can't climb a ladder to try and be more righteous. It doesn't work like that. The only pathway to righteousness is Jesus. Listen to these verses. I'll close with these. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Romans chapter 4, verse 5. People are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. I no longer count on my own righteousness. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. We are counted righteous in the eyes of God when we receive Jesus by faith. We are Christ because our, our righteousness is based on what Jesus did on the cross. Friends, we can all use a little more Jesus in our lives. And the truth is, knowingly or unknowingly, you may have created an invisible ladder. And my prayer for you today is that you would dismantle it. Lay it down. Let it be behind you. Because that ladder is not going to get you anywhere. I want to close by, by praying through Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 and 24. In fact, I'm going to invite everyone to stand just for, as we close the service. I invite you to, to close your eyes, try and ignore the person beside you. For me, I often find 
find these are the moments where I put my hands forward almost in a posture of receiving. Just to kind of communicate to God, Lord, I'm, give me what I need to hear. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. Let's pray through Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 and 24 together. Dear Jesus, it says in your word to throw off our old sinful nature and our former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Jesus, there is new life in you. Father, forgive me for the ways I hold on to the way as I used to live. Forgive me, Lord, for holding on to the past and letting the past control me. Forgive me, Lord, for trying to be my own version of me. Help me, Lord, to, to be the version of me that you intentionally created. Because, God, your version of me is far higher than my version of me. It says in your word, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. So, Holy Spirit, in this moment, all across this room, I pray that, Father, you would renew our thoughts and our attitudes in this place. God, where we think negative thoughts, unhealthy thoughts, ungodly thoughts, Lord, we leave these alone and we lay these down before you. Lord, where our attitude needs a check. God, where we've become cynical or jaded or angry or frustrated or untrusting. God, we lay that before you today. Jesus, we are not supposed to be defined by our hurts. And so, Father, I pray for each person in this room who's been hurt. Father, that your healing touch would come today. That you would help us to be able to forgive. Forgive the people who have wronged us, who have hurt us. Help us to get to a place where we can actually love our enemies like you call us to, Lord God. Father, we want what is genuine. I don't want to fake it. I don't want to pretend to be joyful. Father, I want to experience your joy. Holy Spirit, awaken something inside of me. Awaken something inside of us, oh God. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Help us, Father, to see ourselves the way you see us. And finally, it says, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Jesus, would you help us to be the men and women that you are calling us to be? Help us to shine light and to shine bright. Help us to walk in authority, walk in, in kindness, walk in love. Help us to walk boldly and walk courageously. Help us to know how to live out our faith as we parent our children or we embrace our spouse. Help us to live out our faith as we look for a spouse and trying to figure out who it is that we're supposed to be. Jesus, you are a part and can be a part of every aspect of who we are. So Lord, we lay it all down today. And may we be the people that you've called us to be. Would you be our righteousness, oh God? We love you, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen.